Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, let me just go over this really, really quickly, because to remind you is a good thing. It's to remind you is safe. Paul said that to remind you is safe. It's good. First Samuel is a book about Samuel, Saul, and David. Second Samuel is a book about David and his reign as king. Seven and a half years in Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem. Second Samuel We learn of David's life and his humanity, his royalty, his failures, and his successes. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. If you were with us in chapter 12, uh, David, you know, and most people know this story, that David had an affair with Bathsheba. And uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, you don't have to turn there, but it's right about verse 10 tells us because of the affair with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet comes to David and tells him in 2 Samuel 12, 10, that the sword is never going to depart from his house. In other words, there will always be problems in the dynasty. The word house means dynasty or in the kingdom. And God's word is true. Somebody say amen. And since the sin with Bathsheba, there's been nothing but problems in David's home. David's son, Ammon, was ra- he ra- uh, raped his half-sister, Tamar. Uh, David's other son, Absalom, was angry about the rape of his sister. And for two years, and David had done nothing about the rape between the brother and the sister. So Absalom, the other brother, took things in his own hands and he had his brother Ammon killed. Absalom fled and was gone for three years and finally came home after some coercing by General Joab, who was trying to reunite the father and son. And so we come to chapter 15. David is losing control of the kingdom and his family is devastated. At just the right time, Absalom decides to try and steal the kingdom from dad. And he also, in 2 Samuel chapter 15, I want you to look at this in verse 6. 2 Samuel 15, look at verse 6. He stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom did. So Absalom's committing treason. He's stealing the kingdom. He's stealing the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom became more popular and more trusted than his dad. And one of the very important people that Absalom stole was a man by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's counselor. He was in David's cabinet. And David loved Ahithophel, and the people loved Ahithophel. And Absalom feels that if he can get Ahithophel to join him in this treasonous act of 
overtaking the kingdom. If he can get Ahithophel to join him, then this will add legitimacy to his takeover. Uh, Chapter 15 and verse 12, go ahead and pop down to verse 12. Absalom sent for Ahithophel and the conspiracy, the treachery, the treason to take over the kingdom grew stronger. Verse 13, David finally learns of the kingdom takeover by Absalom and it's devastating news. Keep in mind, David didn't know anything was going on. David didn't know anything was wrong. And so when he hears that his son is taking over the kingdom, this is like this stabbed him in the heart. I mean, think about it. It's one thing that the nation has turned against you and rebelling against you, but it's another thing that it's your own son leading that rebellion. So David hears, are y'all listening? David hears that Absalom and an army is on the way to Jerusalem to destroy the city. And David says, let's get out of the city before Absalom gets here because it's going to be bloody going to be a bloody battle and a civil war. And so David leaves the city. We talked about it last time. David leaves the city, not because he's scared, but because he's a shepherd. And a shepherd is more interested in protecting the sheep more than his image. A shepherd will always act in the best interest of the people. And were you with me last time? Not last week, but the last time. We talked about some battles. Listen to me. I'm going to say it again because I think it was important. Some battles need to be postponed. Some battles need to be postponed. There are higher things in the kingdom than right and wrong. Christians, there are higher things in the kingdom than right and wrong. You can't live your life fighting on terms of right and wrong. Sometimes peace is more important than being right. Uh And honestly, you know, some stuff just ain't worth fighting for. Some stuff just ain't worth fighting for. And and couples, y'all know, I know what I'm talking about. How many times you got in an argument with your, we call uh, call it loud fellowship. Not an argument, it's loud fellowship. How many times have you gotten to loud fellowship with your significant other? And by the time you're about 20, 30, 40 minutes into that loud fellowship, one of y'all has to say to each other, what were we arguing about in the beginning? What, what is it that, because you lose track of that. Some things just ain't worth it. It's not worth it to, to, to go over some petty things. And a lot of times it really is very petty things. Some, some things are just not worth it. You know, somebody once said that a bulldog can beat a skunk any day, but it just ain't worth it. <laughs> say amen, saints. David is a shepherd, and he knows to stay in the city just ain't worth it. And so he tells his servants to pack it up and let's get out of here. David and his family left and he left 10 concubines to keep the house. Look at verse 18 of chapter 15. All of his servants in verse 18 of chapter 15, all of his servants pass before David, the Cherethites, the Pelethites, the Gittites. And as they make their way out of the city, we read the last time from Psalm 3, Psalm 41. Psalm 61, 62, 63, all written around this time. David talks about how brokenhearted he was as he was fleeing from Absalom. I need you to jump down to verse 30 of chapter 15. David is heartbroken and crying while climbing climbing the, the, the mountain of olives. And this is the hardest, darkest time in David's life. He's weeping. He's angry. He feels betrayed. The kingdom is falling before his eyes. He's weeping over the sin with Bathsheba. I'm sure he probably said a thousand times, 
I wish I had not done that. And how many times have we got ourselves involved in something and we look back on it and went, you know what? I wish I hadn't done that. Wish I hadn't done that. I bet you David probably said, the sword shall never depart from your house. David probably said a thousand times over and over. He's probably walking up the mountain of olives. By the way, that's the same Mount of Olives that Jesus walked up. We talked about that last time. You missed that teaching, pick up in the bookstore. It's part two of Second uh, Samuel 15. And David probably said a thousand times, I wish I had not done that. I wish I had not done that. I wish I had not done that. He's walking up the Mount of Olives, weeping. The same Mount that Jesus, I can't get away from this. The same Mount that Jesus wept on. When he looked over at Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have desired to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. And therefore, he prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus Vespasian in AD 70. Remember? The same mountain. So David's walking up that very same mountain. He's weeping. He's crying. He's heartbroken. Again, wishing he had never fallen into that sin with Bathsheba. He comes to the top of the mountain in verse 32, chapter 15. Y'all still with me tonight? He comes to the top of that mountain. He looks back at Jerusalem and he worships. And while they're on the mountain, God sends David a gift in the form of an old friend. His name is Hushai, the archetype or the archite. David could use a friend right now. Hushai comes to David mourning, clothes are torn, dust on his head. He's broken over what has happened with Absalom and with the kingdom. And Hushai, and look at verse 33, offered to stay with David. And David said, you could be much a bigger, a much bigger help to me if you go back in verse 34 to the city and tell, and, and tell Absalom that you'll be his servant. And then I'll have ears near Absalom and Ahithophel to know what their plans are. So Hushai went back to Absalom's court to be a spy. Verse 37 tells us Hushai did just as David asked. And Absalom came into Jerusalem. That's where we left off. We pick up in chapter 16. I've titled this sermon, Accepting God's Will. 2 Samuel chapter 16, saints, we're picking up in verse 1. If you're looking at it, say amen. And when David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddle donkeys and 200 loaves of bread and 100 clusters of raisins and 100 summer fruits and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean with these? And so Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and the summer fruits for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. And then King David said, And where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he's asking where Mephibosheth is. Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem, for he said today the house of Israel will be, will restore the kingdom of my father to me. And so the king said to Ziba, hear all that, here, here, like here, all that here, like take this, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I might find favor in your sight, my Lord, 
O king. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. David is on his way down the other side of the mountain. And just past the top, he runs into Mephibosheth's servant, Ziba. Now, do you guys remember Ziba? That name should sound familiar to you. We know from the scriptures that David and Jonathan were as close as brothers can be. And David had been hiding from Jonathan's father, Saul. But before David went into hiding, remember Jonathan said, David, promise me that you'll show my family kindness forever and you'll treat them well. And David made that promise to Jonathan because they were as close as two brothers could possibly be. So in a time of rest, meaning no war, nothing's going on, in a time of rest, David wants to make good on his promise to Jonathan. There was a man named Ziba who was a servant of the house of Saul. David called for Ziba. This is in um, chapter, don't turn there, but I'm just telling you where it is. Uh, This is in chapter 9. David calls for Ziba and asks, is there anyone from Jonathan's family still alive? So he could keep his promise to show the kindness to them. And Ziba said there in chapter 9, Jonathan has a son whose name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is lame in both feet and he is living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar means no pasture, no greenery. He's living in Lodabar. David immediately sent for him. Mephibosheth comes to see the king. Now, Put yourself in David's in Mephibosheth's sandals, although he was laying both feet, so he didn't have no sandals. But put yourself in his sandals. I'm working here, people. The king calls for you. You haven't heard from a king in years. And all of a sudden, the king calls. He wants to see you. Mephibosheth probably is like getting his last will and testament in order. He probably thinks, I ain't coming back here, so let me straighten up. Get all my affairs in order, get my house in order, because when the king calls you, you know, it's like getting called to the principal's office, who knows? He thinks that David is going to blast him, when in fact David's not going to blast him. David is going to bless him. He blessed him. He gave Mephibosheth all the property. Mephibosheth comes in. He's probably knees knocking, teeth chattering. He comes in, the old king, uh, here I am, and David says, it's a beautiful story, 2 Samuel 9. David says, Mephibosheth, and I just love to think about tone. Whenever I read the Bible, I love to think about tone. Like, how did he say it? Almost like when God said, Adam, where are you? Adam, where you at? Adam, what you doing? Adam, where are you? Tone is everything in the Bible. Mephibosheth comes in and David says, Mephibosheth, remember his father was his best friend. And they loved each other like brothers. So Mephibosheth comes walking in. David says, Mephibosheth, and he greets him and brings him to the table to eat. Second Samuel 9, and then he gives him all the property and all the land that belonged to his grandfather Saul and his father Jonathan. Now listen, Ziba was the steward of Saul's possession before Saul died. Ziba made money. Listen to me. This is a very close uh, uh, key to the story. 
Ziba made money managing Saul's estate. But when Jonathan died, David gave Mephibosheth everything that belonged to Saul, and he made Ziba his servant, Mephibosheth's servant, forever. With that in mind, verse 1, David is coming round the mountain, and here comes Ziba with a few donkeys. He has 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and some wine. David said in verse 2, what's up? Why have you brought all this to us? Ziba said, well, I just thought I would do something nice and bring some donkeys, bread, summer fruits to eat. Y'all got to eat, you know. Just in case you've got some downtime and you guys are sitting around and you feel a little bit of faint, yeah, here, drink some wine. David said in verse 3, where's Mephibosheth? And Ziba said, he's waiting. Look at the statement, saints. He's waiting back in Jerusalem, basically saying, waiting for you and Absalom to destroy each other, and then the kingdom will be restored to his family. Now listen, you're taking notes in your Bibles? Write this next to that statement. That's a flat-out lie. That is a flat-out lie. And we know that from 2 Samuel 19. Don't turn there. We know that from 2 Samuel 19. Ziba is looking for opportunity. Ziba is positioning himself. 2 Samuel 19, 17 also tells us that Ziba had 15 sons. He had 15 sons, and it tells us he had 20 servants. So remember, he was making money off of managing an estate, but he's no longer making that money now. So he's positioning himself, and he has 15 mouths to feed and 20 servants that work for him. It is possible that Ziba thought that he should have gotten all that Mephibosheth got from David. David is coming down the mountain of olives and Ziba tells David a bona fide face lie. Maybe because he's now just Mephibosheth's servant. No longer overseeing an estate. Now you're just a servant to Mephibosheth. Maybe his pride is hurt. But we know the problem with lies, don't we? They always catch up to you. 2 Samuel chapter 19, you can read this in your own time. But after Absalom, listen, died, David runs into Mephibosheth and he asked him why he didn't come. And Mephibosheth said, because Ziba lied and said, no need for me to come. I got this. Read it for yourself later. We don't have time. 2 Samuel 19. So Ziba lies. I think this info from Ziba had to be tough for David because it seems like at this point in his life, everybody has turned their back on him. The hearts of all the men of Israel have turned against David. His own son has turned against him. His best friend Ahithophel has turned against him. And now another person who David helped, which would be in his mind, he doesn't know it's a lie. So in his mind, Mephibosheth, whom he helped, has also turned against him. So David is probably at this point going, man, everybody is turning against me. But notice David's response in verse 4. Notice how he responds. David said, Ziba, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. Remember, he doesn't know that he's being lied to. Are y'all getting that? 
Ziba said, oh, I humbly accept this check. I mean, I bow before you that I might find favor in your sight, O oh my Lord, O oh my King. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. He who answers a matter before he hears it all, it is folly and a shame to him. See, David gave away Mephibosheth's possessions, not really having the whole story. David made a rash decision. And he gave away all Mephibosheth's property to Ziba, and that's exactly what Ziba wanted. Now, that being said, look at verse 5. Now, when King David came to Baharum, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shammai, the son of Gerah, coming from there. And he came out, note this, saints, cursing continually as he came and he threw stones at David and all the servants of the king and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also, Shammai said thus when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned and the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil, David, because you are a bloodthirsty man. And Abishai, the son of Zorah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my Lord, the king? Please let me go and take his head off. But the king said... Let me some Abishai. The king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zorah? So let him curse. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? I'll explain. And so David said to Abishai and all of his servants, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life? How much more now may this Benjamite... Saul's tribe, let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered it. And it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shammai went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at them and kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with them became weary, and so they refreshed themselves there. Okay, stop right there. Give me your attention. Let me tell you what's going on. David came to Baharum, and a man, as the Bible tells us, a man from the house of Saul, his name is Shammai, sees David, runs out of the front door, picks up some stones and some dirt. He starts throwing the stones and cursing David out. Verse 6 tells us he threw some stones at David and all of his servants. That would mean the Jerathites, the Pelethites, the Gittites, uh, Abishai, and General Joab, which it is not wise to throw stones at General Joab, okay? That's not wise. David is thinking, oh, great. Everybody in Israel hates me. My son hates me. My best friend hates me. I got all those wives. Surely one of them hates me. Mephibosheth hates me, and now this guy Shammai is throwing stones and dirt and cursing at me. He hates me. It can't get any worse. Listen, don't ever say it can't get any worse. 
Because just when you say it can't get any worse, guess what happens? It gets worse. Y'all some smart folks. You is smart. You is kind. And you is important. Zig Ziglar. Ziglar was a motivational speaker. And he said, when you throw dirt at people, you're not doing a thing but losing ground. I like that. Jesus said in John 8, 7, Jesus said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. This guy has the audacity to throw stones and curse the king. Think about the audacity to speak to the king that way and his servants that way. Who does this guy think he is? The gall to speak that way to one of the greatest men of God who ever lived Shammai in verse 7 is screaming, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty men, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.